the Rooted Family Podcast, where we learn how to mindfully boost our brains for optimal health and learning. Join me, Erin Sadler, teacher, speaker, brain health coach, yoga instructor, founder of the Rooted Family, but most importantly, mom of three, as we talk about how we can bring peace, prosperity, and fun into homes, schools, and communities. We all want to raise families that thrive in the world, not just survive. And this podcast will help you do just that. Thanks for joining us. Let's get growing together. Hey, everybody. This is Erin from The Rooted Family. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's podcast. If you're listening on 103.5, the radio, thank you. If you found us a different way through iTunes, perhaps, or Podbean, or the website, leave me a comment and let me know where you found me, and please hit subscribe. It helps so much with me being able to bring more of these to you. Um, So today, y'all are going to love our guest. She is talking about creativity in the brain. Um, She gives some awesome parent tips for how to bring more creative play in and what that may look like in your home. And she also talks about music and why music is so important in the brain. And so it's such a huge, huge neural connection to bring that creative thinking, open-ended question, that process parenting over product parenting, and that growth mindset um, along with music to just help make more and more neural connections for our kids. And my kiddo and I, my oldest, who is now a teenager, were having a conversation about how she feels that music really helps her when she is stuck or having a problem. And music helps her think through that problem or come up with an idea. And so I did some deep diving research because I was like, oh, I wonder, sounds, because I have to listen to music and it either helps me relax enough to be able to think about it um, or just make a decision. Sometimes you hear that song on the radio and you're like, ah, yeah, okay, it's all coming clear to me now. So I did some research and it is, scientists have found that When it comes to creative thinking, pondering, wondering, sitting with an idea, and listening to music at the same time may help in activating creative neural networks that can help you get that aha moment or find a solution to your problem. So I'm telling you, if you have kids at home that are struggling with maybe some stress or are having those mindset blocks that we've talked about before with attempting to do um, homework or just keep having the same struggle, maybe having a little music, even a little motivational music might help them out. If you need an inspiring playlist, you can head to therootedfamily.com and go into the blogs and I actually have one on Spotify for you uh, that you can just click in it right on the link and it will take you right there but it's a bunch of inspirational songs that won't drive you the parent crazy so if you are tired to listening to something if you have younger kids and it's on the loop on replay you may want to try this out and really it is songs that speak to their heart and the message you want to give them about having a growth mindset and trying new things and being creative and innovative um but sometimes if you were to have to say it they might not take it uh so it's kind of like just putting those earworms into their head those thinking and thought patterns into their heads for them without you having to repeat yourself a million times 
So you're going to love today's guest because she's going to talk a lot about this. Her name is Angie Richter, and she's from Musical Pathways. And she's going to talk about how to create more of those aha connections through creative activities, including music. Angie is a co-director and licensed educator with Musical Pathways Foundation, a kinder music studio. She loves teaching young children, watching the development through the platform of music, and witnessing the parent-child bond strengthen. Angie is passionate about giving children the best start at life and supporting parents through their journey. In her personal life, Angie is a wife to Brody and a mom to Finley and Harlow. They have a dog named Moose who's almost 12 and a fish named Rose. They've kept alive for a year. Congratulations. They have called Wanakee home for the last five years. Angie finds joy in reading alone or with her kids, cooking and baking, listening to podcasts. Thank you so much, Angie, for being a subscriber. Watching her girls and her husbands play hockey and skate and being physically active. This family loves to travel, and they have a relative in Switzerland that makes it a little bit more convenient. This summer, they will visit Switzerland and Italy. Angie worked as an assistant director in annual giving for the UW Foundation and right after, right after college, and then as a high school English teacher in Watertown. She's excited that her life has led to kinder music and working with musical pathways. And I will say you will find her to be so passionate about what she talks about with helping kids learn life skills through music. So I'm so excited for you to hear my podcast with Angie. I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest, but first I wanted to ask you, how's it going with growing gratitude in your house? Do you wish your kids were more grateful for what they have and all that they get to do? Do you wish your kids would feel a bit more content and not always be asking for more? And while we all want polite kids, is throwing a condition thank you the same as really feeling grateful? Gratitude is like a vitamin for creating happy, healthy, successful, peaceful, connected kids that are also kind. It helps their brains and bodies. So how do you get the feeling of gratitude into your kid's brain and boost morale, peace, calm, and happiness in your home? I'll tell you how. I did it right along with many families and teachers. I use the fun, creative, inspired activities and Be Grateful, 21 gratitude-boosting activities for families. There's so much family bonding in these activities that are simple and easy to use. They'll have you laughing, connecting, and feeling more grateful almost immediately. You want happier kids? Science says boost gratitude. Want to reduce your child's stress and anxiety level? Science says boost gratitude. Want more resilient kids? You got it. Boost gratitude. Smarter, more empathetic, kids who sleep better. Science all points to gratitude. Want to turn your family into one that seeks out the positive, even when it's hard to do so? Like when plans change, when dinner falls squarely on the gross list, when they didn't make the team or their friend can't make the party? 
then head on over to therootoffamily.com and grab Be Grateful and get that gratitude growing. My mission is to help all kids and families develop an active practice of gratitude they can carry for the rest of their lives. Their brains deserve it. Everybody, we're so glad you're here today. We're welcoming Angie. Um, she is going to be here and talk about creativity, music, and play as brain builders for children. We both know that creativity creates a web of neural connections for a child's growing brain, um, often in areas that normally don't connect. And I know I talked a little bit about that in the intro, but that's the amazing thing about creativity is it takes part of your brain that might not work together and it weaves them together. So you're just creating those strong neural connections in the brain. And through creativity and play, our kids put the plans together about how to construct social and emotional awareness, thinking skills, focus, solving problems, communication, and wiring concepts together neurologically. So Angie... Welcome. I'm so glad to have you here. Hi, Erin. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, so let's just dive in. Um, first, talk to me a little bit about what you do and why musical creativity in play is so important. Sure. Um, I am a licensed kinder music educator with Musical Pathways, and I've been teaching for over four years with them now. And uh, musical creativity and play are so important because in a kinder music education, play is a constant. Our classes are so playful and joyful, and we know that our children learn best when they are happy and joyful. Um, The activities are all age-appropriate, so if our focus of learning for one class is about steady beat, uh, the eight-month-old might feel steady beat in a joyful way by rocking side-to-side with their grown-up. While the older child, who's maybe a four-year-old, might experience steady beat by playing their homemade instrument and marching around to music in a parade. So it's, 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 it comes together. And, um, uh, another constant is, um, in our, our special hellos. If there's a lot of creativity, we get to acknowledge each student and welcome them into the classroom. They get to choose a way to sing hello and move our bodies. Um, and it's an opportunity for each child to be a leader and be creative. So I've seen things children have chosen to be things like a castle or basically every animal. Yeah. <laughs> animals are always a good one. Whenever yes. I do mindful breathing, I'm always like pulling that animal because they love yep. them. Yep. Yeah. Flamingos, lions, uh-huh. lots of bears. Um, recently, I had a child choose to be to do garage sale. That oh, was his special yeah. hello. So I we like all, it. Yeah, got to walk around pretending like we were garage sailing. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and you actually think about it, garage sailing, you usually are saying hello to a lot of people. You are. <laughs> yes, it's a very social, fun activity. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, so tell me about what you see in your classroom when it comes to kids sparking that creative spark or things that you notice that might be a little different from, let's say if you went to a traditional classroom or learning environment, how do you see that creativity really spark their involvement? We ask a lot of open-ended questions, um, which I think is key for creativity because the way as adults we might think the answer would be, our kids have a totally different 
idea. So I was recently um, teaching a class where we watched a top spin. And then I asked them, how could we move our bodies like a top? And my, my, my schema was like I would stand up and twirl with my arms out. And one student, he crouched down on his, um, on his feet and spun oh, around yeah. in like a little ball. And another one sat on his bottom and spun around. Yeah. So it, it's just interesting to see, you know, how they, how they answer those open-ended questions. And, um, and then with that, we often include either a song or a chant or a rhyme to go along with it oh. to add that musical element. How cool is that? Well, and when we think of creativity, I think we also need to think of growth mindset and resiliency skills because Mm -hmm. what you hear there when you're saying open-ended questions is you're actually also promoting that growth mindset, thinking skills too that kids need and oftentimes aren't given enough opportunity to have that open-ended thinking time. Mm -hmm. Um, We, I think in society, we're so often boxing them into either here is the correct answer yes, or I need the answer in this specified time period. And so right. they don't just have opportunities just to be like, where does my mind take me? Right. And, um, you know, I think the cool thing is thinking of what was going on in that kid's brain at that moment, that where they were drawing from mm-hmm. to get that experience put together into that thought pattern in their brain, probably pulled from so many different resources in their brain, as opposed to here's, here's what we're going to do. Right. Here's what it's going to look like. And everybody's going to spin like me. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Oh, that sounds so fun. So how has leading musical pathways changed how you parent or how you look at child development? So it's interesting because before I had children, I was a high school English teacher. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think some people may think that with my background in education, I would be all about, you know, not just flashcards, but just, you know, teaching my kids the way I would have taught high schoolers or even younger kids. Um, And I've kind of rebelled against that a little bit in that I really use my child's, my children's opportunity and time at home to have a lot of creative free play and Yay. unstructured time. Yay, high five. Yay. <laughs> so um, we have, my I have two girls, they're four and six, and they're both really into imaginative play. Yeah. And they love playing with dolls and Barbies and stuffed animals. And they use the things we have at home in ways that they weren't necessarily meant to be yeah, used. So sure. we have, uh, we got them a soccer net like an indoor soccer net a few years ago for a birthday, I think. And it has been a boat more than it has been a soccer net. (laughs) They pretend that there's a flood and they're, you know, saving all of their dolls and animals and, um, and the soccer net is a great boat. Yeah. So, so much divergent thinking. You and I were talking before this, before we started, my children currently are at home and have taken every blanket off of every bed in our home. Mm -hmm. And we're making a giant indoor fort, which was a huge mess. But I love that. And I'm totally okay with the mess because they're having so much creative play in there and Mm -hmm. they're communicating and cooperating Mm -hmm. and, and having fun. And at a moment when I'm not home, they are able to have that creative play with each other. Yes. Um, 
without any technology or TVs on, and mm-hmm. they were having a grand old time. So I think the boats and the forts yes. um, of the world, if we can have a little bit more of that in our households, helps our kids decrease stress. Mm-hmm. It helps them increase processing time because I'm sure you've seen it too. A lot of times when our kids are playing in their homes, what they're doing is processing their day. Yes. And processing conflicts they may have had with other people. It's kind of a time for them to come down and process through play what they've experienced. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that doesn't always look like a great thing as a parent because it might be a conflict with the sibling that they're playing with, but it might be something that they're trying to work out, how do I solve this situation? But if we're not giving them the experience of having that creative free play time, they can't come up with the solutions to how they want to deal with things like that. So, yep. yay, I think that's so huge. I do yeah. think I start, I've start. i started to notice a movement um, with parents saying, okay, this is important and we need to make sure to structure some of that creative, imaginative time in our homes. Mm-hmm. Just like we would soccer practice. Right. Or just like we would a dance um, practice, like that time needs to actually be scheduled in for kids to have that. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so give us some tips for increasing creative play in our homes since we were just talking about yes. it. Since you're kind of the expert with musical stuff and yeah. everything creative, what would you say are like three tips? So um, some of them we've already kind of touched on, which yeah. is great. But the first one, I, I kind of have three things. And first one is have options because we know that our kids are creative in all different ways. While my kids love to do imaginative play, other kids may love Legos or building forts, yeah. which is on my notes. <laughs> Drawing, yeah. writing stories, playing instruments, you know, singing along. Um, so many different ways. So have different options. Um, and then try to give large chunks of time, um, depending on the age, you know, my four and six, six year olds can handle probably sometimes at least an hour of unstructured time just in the basement. Um, and we can hear them and know that they're safe and enjoying each other's company and working through issues. Um, and then the last, which is what you touched on before, is being okay with messes. Yes. That they're going to make messes and it's yes. okay. And just after the play is done, taking that opportunity to clean up the mess. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I always find too, I've often talked to parents about this, having a conversation that you want, letting kids know you want them to have this creative playtime and you're okay with it. I think a lot of times mm-hmm. kids are like, well, I'm not going to get this out because she's going to make me pick it up five minutes after I start, especially if you're a little bit older and you've done it a couple times. Mm-hmm. So letting them know that they have that creative expressive time um, and they will be asked to clean it up, but that it doesn't have to be the moment the play ends, that they right. can come back to it. Often when I go to do my creative workshop, I say, if you can create a space in your home where so it doesn't trail all over your home Mm because I know that can be Mm -hmm. overwhelming too but if there is a space in your home that is designated where that kid can leave those Legos set up Mm -hmm. or there's a place where that art table maybe needs to go in a bin but doesn't have but doesn't have to be totally put away that the kid can go back to whatever project they were working on because just like when we're adults and we have hobbies and we have creative projects, we don't like to completely pick it up a lot of right. times at the end because we're right in the middle of working on something. So having that designated space where they could, maybe they were doing an art project at the kitchen table, but then that art project can move to the designated space to dry or be added to later, I think is 
something that helps parents not feel overwhelmed by the mess mm-hmm. and helps kids know that why should I even start creative play if I'm just going to have to put it all away in just right. a minute. So Yeah, for us it's in the, the basement is yeah, where the girls – and then it's easy because then I can just kind of close the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have the same thing. And we also sometimes have time periods like – this Lego creation can live here for this month. And yes. then after a month, we have to make some decisions about what we're keeping and or pare down and put some of it away. So it, it can be a time. It doesn't always have to be a physical space. It could be a space and time, too, that you're going to allow this activity to continue. Mm-hmm. But at said time or the end of the month, we're going to switch out what we're playing with. Right. So Yeah, and I think what you were saying about having so many different activities is great either in a list form, because you do have those days where your kids come home and they have decision fatigue. Yes. And while you need them to have something creative to do, they might not be able in that moment to make one more decision or choose it. Mm-hmm. So having a list or having a, I, I also say like a bin of things, choices that you can just set down and then you as the parent can slowly walk away backwards. So you're not engaged with a, I don't know what to do. Uh, I don't want to choose anything. Right. You're like, here's your list. Go ahead and look at the list or pick something out of the bucket. And then usually if given a moment, they will calm themselves down and be able to go pick something choose. out of there. So, yeah. Um, so those are kind of my tips too that yeah. I was adding to your tips that were no, sparking, that was wonderful. sparking my imagination. Yeah. Uh, my second one is uh, if you are playing with your child and, and engaging in that creative play, this goes back to what we said before, but asking those open-ended questions. Yeah. Um, in kinder music, we use the term scaffolding, yeah. uh, which means that when you are playing with your child, um, there's sort of three parts to it. The first part is uh, um, imitating and labeling, potentially. So just very straight out saying, this is what you're doing. I see you doing this. Um, And then um, I guess that second part would kind of be imitating if possible, if it makes sense in the situation. And then the third part is that scaffolding. So like the scaffolding on the the side of the building that helps a building get up higher, um, you ask a question that offers a challenge. And your child may accept the challenge and go with it or they may just be like nope not going to do that and that's fine but you're there to support their learning you recognize what they're doing but then you're offering that opportunity for growth and for more neural connections to be formed in their brains which is actually where the term the name musical pathways came from it came from how music can help grow our brains and create more neural pathways that makes complete right? sense. Right? It's yeah. kind of beautiful. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, and then let me ask you too. So if we're coming to your class, um, what can we expect when we walk in the door? You sort of said the welcome, which already had me at like, yeah. you had me at hello with, uh, <laughs> with if I can be my garage sale self and go yeah. say hi to people. But what else? Like what does, tell me what a typical class looks like. Sure. So we, uh, our, our licensed educators will come out of the classroom and call everyone over. Um, we do a pretty brief 30 second intro with our families and the children where we explain the focus of learning for that 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 class that week. So it might be things like steady beat, working on inhibitory control, building empathy. Um, This last week it was the social, the building blocks of social skills. So, um, and then we come in, there's a gathering blanket, there's an activity to do just to kind of warm up. And then, um, then we kind of get going with class. So there's in our younger classes, there is that special hello. 
There's potentially a story time, some listening activities, gross motor, fine motor, instrument play. Um, so it's a kind of a good mix of activities. No, um, no class is ever the same. There's often repeated activities within like a three to four week period. But beyond that, um, every class is different. And uh, there are the routines, and we call them rituals in yeah, class. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Rituals are always good yeah, for kids, and they, they know are. what to expect. Exactly. Oh, and grown-ups. Grown-ups live by rituals. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. And the way we define a ritual is maybe a little bit different. We follow Dr. Becky Bailey's definition where it includes eye contact, physical touch, and a repetitive song or phrase. So we encourage, especially with our, our baby class, which is called Foundations, we uh, encourage caregivers to try to include at least four rituals in their day. So something as simple as a routine of a diaper change can become a ritual if you add that repetitive song or phrase, because likely you're already making eye contact. You're already, you know, touching the child as you're assisting in that change. But if you can add that, that vocal element, it helps strengthen your bond. And um, we know that by having that strong relationship down the road, you will likely have fewer um, behavioral struggles with your child if you have a strong bond with them. So that can start really early. So, Oh, I love that so much. And, and not only does it create a ritual for the child, but it creates a good pattern of a ritual for the adult too. So it, it's, yes. a, it's to me, when I heard you explain it, it's a moment to mindfully connect. Yes. So, so often, you know, even in a diaper change, that can be so, we've done it so many times that mm-hmm. it just becomes a rote thing. Um, to take that mindful moment to say, like, okay, I am going to connect with my yep. child in this moment. Yep. Because, yeah, that eye contact is so huge, huge and important for de- for so many developmental re- mm-hmm. reasons. So, mm-hmm. And kids need it so yes. much. And they're getting less and less of it. The more technology we have in the world, the less eye contact they're making. So right. making sure you, as the caregiver, are making that eye contact is so huge. Yay! Mm-hmm. And, and just um, remind me, what are the ages for your classes? Because I know it starts a baby, but how, how high do you go? So uh, our foundations level classes for zero to two-year-olds our level two is from approximately two to four, maybe a little younger. Our level three is three and a half to five. And then our level four and five, which is called young child, is from um, five to seven-year-olds. So kids who are, most kids who are finishing first grade, they are graduating kinder music. I love that. Yeah, yes. so by the time they're graduating, so my older daughter will be graduating kinder music this year wow. in May. I know, it's crazy. And uh, it sets them up beautifully for if they're interested in pursuing private lessons, because by the time they're in kindergarten, first grade, um, cognitively, physically, emotionally, everything, they are ready to start learning uh, more true musical um, concepts and they they learn how to read music and rhythms they learn how to play the glockenspiel the dulcimer and the recorder so our recorders just came home a couple oh, weeks ago yeah. the good old recorder <laughs> the recorder um, and so it, it is nice our private lesson teachers always say they can tell the kids who have had kinder music oh I'm sure education yeah. because if you think about a child who's not had anything and they're seven and they sit down in front of a piano not only do they need to figure out how to move their fingers but they need to be able to look at the rhythm and then the notes and like put all these things together and it's a lot yeah um, it really sets them up for success yeah for sure yeah so I think if you are a parent who is considering your child playing some kind of musical instrument or if that opportunity, because so many schools offer that 
too, that mm-hmm. your child can play a musical instrument and, like, the recorder probably is going to enter your life at some yes. point, either via musical pathways or via <laughs> school. So I think it's, like, you, third graders. Yeah, so. if you had, like, a good <laughs> handle on that concept before, it would probably help because we had a lot of um, – sounded like squeaking hamsters yes. in our house, um, which I love the sound of music. So mm-hmm. as long as it was not right in my ear, I was cool with it. But yeah, right. that, that would have really benefited my muffins coming mm-hmm. in for sure. All right. And then the question I like to close on with everybody is in running this business and being involved um, with musical pathways and then balancing your own family. And I always use the term balancing very loosely because I don't think there is a true balance. There's just changing focus and trying mm-hmm. to align with what your mission is for your family and for yourself, what challenge has helped you grow the most or what's something that challenged you that you're like, okay, that was a hurdle, but I've learned so much from it. Sure. Um, I think right now with um, buying the Kinder Music Studio that I will be purchasing, Um, I'm going through the business owner training that Kinder Music International has for future business owners. Um, I'm kind of in the midst of it right now where I'm I'm starting this new challenge and I'm needing to carve out some time um, to to go through that training. Um, Waking up a little bit earlier than normal and, you know, finding other opportunities to find 5 to 10, 15 minutes here and there. so I'd say that's that's the challenge I'm in the midst of right now. Yeah. Um, but it's a really, it's good. It's fun and it's interesting and I'm excited to pursue yeah. it. I did. That was one of the things I had to learn with building this business was um, I had to let go of society's norms for when grownups should go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually go to bed when my kids go to bed for the most part because I get up so much earlier just to get to a good solid hour to two hours of work done yes so that I can be present with them when they need me to be present but I also got that work time in yep for me that sets my balance up and then I've gotten the things that I need to get done for the business before anybody's even woken up Mm -hmm. so I haven't what I would say like taking time away even though they are fine to be with the business too but for me as a mom it just mentally helps me segment between business and then being able to switch gears and get everybody up and breakfast and ready for school. And I feel like I've accomplished the business end of things. So, yes. so, but then I am literally like, good night. I love you. And then I'm putting on my own pajamas yes. and going to bed at an incredibly early hour. But I just find that that that's what works for me and being able to feel good about getting things done. So, yep. So you and I can send a text in the morning. Like, yes. Hey, girl, we're up super early. 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Something you said on a different podcast that I've that I've started to uh, implement in my day, because you talk about those transitions is before your kids get home from school, you yeah. take that moment to kind of stop the work and think about, you know, your child's day and get ready to approach them and um, I've started doing that with my 4K yeah. or when she gets off the bus because a lot of times I'm scrambling and trying to get as yes. much done in that time in those two and a half hours in the morning when both kids are at school. Um, so I've started to mentally, you know, take a break and be prepared to get her off the bus and be present with her. Yeah. And how's that? Do you feel more like, yes, like I can transition? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that was a huge once I figure that out, like I need that, even if it's just five minutes, that's five minute 
mental switch. And I think I told you too, I said the same thing to my husband. He was kind of rushing in the house mm-hmm. and wasn't letting go of his day. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't care if you take an extra five minutes in the driveway and do some kind of meditation. So when you walk in here, cause I need your game face on when you walk in, right. it is full parenting mode. Yep. Um, so I can't have you, I, we can talk about it later, but for that moment when you walk in the door, those kids need you to be present. Mm-hmm. They miss you. They want to see you. I need you to walk in with a smile on your face. Yes. And I need to do that too um, so that we can be really present for them and mm-hmm. intentional in our parenting in that moment. So, Because I think it's easy to get swept up in everything else that goes yes. on. So I think you have to mindfully be intentional to be on for your kids. Mm-hmm. Here. So yay, kudos, yay. high five. I'm glad that that worked yes, for you. I'm always loved happy that to nugget. hear that. Well, Angie, thank you so much for being with us thank today. Thank you for and, having me. And just so everybody knows, because I know you're going to listen to this podcast and you're going to say, oh my gosh, how do I get some more of Angie? <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to link all of her information in the bio, in the show notes at the bottom. So you can reach out and get in touch with her and see all the programming that she has to offer because this is going to be instrumental. I can't, I couldn't. <laughs> I love it. In, in, love a good fun. Yeah. And um, wiring your kid's brain for success. So thank you so much. I am so grateful to you for being on. Thank As you. As a thank you, I'm going to give you our Be Grateful 21 gratitude builders for yes. your family. I love it. Yay. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You're so welcome. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Have a great day, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon.